What's up, everybody? Welcome to another The Man in the Arena podcast. Today, we're trying something a little bit different. So with my small college budget, I only have two microphones. So today, we're going to be sharing one microphone. I have Carson Walsh and Charlie Walker with me in room 306 of the, I think it's a Hilton Honors. Very nice hotel. Got a pool table downstairs. That's besides the fact. Anyways, got them both here. They're both freshman pitchers at Northeastern, and we're just going to have a little conversation and see where see where the combo takes us. But um, could be a little bit of a longer one because there's three of us here today, and we'll see how the sharing the mic goes. So I'll let Chuck and Carson introduce themselves. Yeah, I'm Carson here at uh, Northeastern. I'm a freshman and a uh, freshman pitcher, as he introduced, and uh, that's pretty much it. How's it going? Uh, Charlie Walker. Some people call me Chuck. I'm a freshman pitcher here at Northeastern, and uh, I'm from Milton, Mass. Are you Are you nervous, Carson? No, I'm not nervous. Okay. Good. I'm extremely nervous. Chuck's a little bit nervous. I can sense it. Uh, so we'll start off, since these guys are younger compared to me, we're going to start off with kind of their journey before even high school baseball. So my question to both of you guys is where did baseball start for you guys and and where did you first like fall in love with the game uh so for me i was like a a multi-sport guy growing up so early on as a kid i wasn't like super in love with baseball i was more of a basketball guy i played football in high school played basketball really loved basketball wasn't very good at it wasn't super talented and then uh, I started to love baseball, like starting to go through Little League. I ended up getting cut from one of my travel teams. And uh, I'm just a, I guess, naturally competitive person, and I, it didn't really sit well with me. So I kind of devoted myself from there on out to never have that feeling again. And it just happened to be like baseball was a sport that got me into it and then went from there. Uh, for me, it was kind of I, I love baseball the most pretty much my whole life. I uh grew up with an older brother about four and a half years older than me he was always into baseball the most so I always looked up to him my dad always loved baseball my mom my sister plays softball now so for me it was kind of like at a young age I just grew up loving baseball I played basketball as well but was never any good at it comparatively to baseball I'd probably say the moment I like the moments I fell in love with it was throughout Little League like really being successful there and like just like competing on a small level was kind of where I fell in love with it yeah similar to you guys even though it was probably five or six years before you guys I, I, I fell in love with baseball um, in, in Little League, and I've talked about that on the podcast before. But um, that's that's interesting, Chuck. I, uh, I I didn't know that you got cut from your Little League team. That's uh, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm, I'm glad that it happened because that's why you're here right now. Um, so I'll move on kind of towards your high school um, careers – and I'll let you guys talk about the recruiting process after, but I'm also curious to know what other sports you played and if you thought that those other sports helped you in a baseball sense as well. Uh, I went to watch Houston High School for the, my first two years of high school, which is like a big public high school. Like a lot of people know each other around there, especially in terms of coaches. I um. I tried out for freshman basketball. It was the first high school team I tried out for, and I got cut from that. So from pretty much there on out, it was just all in on baseball. Like throughout the whole winter, just training, trying to be better for baseball. I didn't have, to, didn't play basketball anymore because I got cut. So uh, 
because of that probably maybe helped me and then I ended up being on varsity as a freshman for baseball which was good and then uh, throughout that year didn't play much got a few opportunities here and there and then my sophomore year of high school I uh, started at Wachusett I ended up meeting my summer ball coach who was a coach at Worcester Academy and I was really young for my class I wouldn't have if I didn't reclass I would have been uh, barely 18 in college so I ended up reclassing at Worcester Academy doing three years there and that was uh, definitely where I developed the most as a baseball player and just like human overall. Before you give it to Chuck, do you think, I know you only played basketball for one year, but do you think that playing basketball helped your baseball at all athletically wise? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I forgot to mention that after Wachusett, I went to, uh, when I went to Worcester Academy, I ended up playing JV basketball there for two years. So yeah, I think, I think it's a mix. I think it depends on the person. For me, I never really had a huge problem losing weight. So I like, I could still play basketball and get more athletic and still maintain weight. So I feel like it depends on the person, like in the body type. Uh, yeah, for me, I went to a, uh, it was a Division two high school in Massachusetts, so decent sized, uh, pretty big sports school, relatively. Uh, coming in as a freshman, like I said before, I was like a multi-sport guy, I kind of loved all sports, just loved doing anything athletic, competitive, anything like that. Um, I always had like a, a focus on baseball going into high school. Uh, both my older brothers were Division one baseball players. So I kind of always knew that, like, that's what I wanted to do, but I never had, like, a, a super intense focus on it. Where did your brothers play? Uh, my oldest brother was a pitcher at URI, and my other brother was a catcher at UMass Hall. I didn't know that. That's, yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, did you strike – you think you could strike him out? Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Um. Well, like, where, where, where were you when I interrupted? Uh, yeah, so I'm just talking about walking in as a freshman um, – Really fell in love with football fall of my freshman year. I'd say first two years of high school, I took football and baseball about equally as seriously. Very serious in both, kind of split my time between the two. Um, I played basketball my freshman year too. Uh, it just ended up being kind of counterproductive for both sports because I was losing weight. Um, I felt like it wasn't making me a better athlete. I was not as explosive, but uh, that's neither here nor there. I felt like football really helped me from a physicality standpoint, um, taught me to get in the weight room, you know, gain weight. And, uh, I was competing with some serious dudes at the varsity level my sophomore year. And, uh, that sophomore year, I ended up tearing my ACL in the fourth game of the season and, um, spent about nine months rehabbing that into COVID. And then after that, I cut out the other, the other sports and just started focusing on baseball, trying to make it to the division one level. Got it. And for both of you, um, when what year were you recruited to Northeastern, and and how did that process go? Like, was it smooth, or or were there other colleges that you were considering? And and when did you choose Northeastern, and why? Uh, yeah, I kind of had a little bit of a. I mean, it wasn't too rocky. I committed to Northeastern in March, early March of my junior year. But I was talking Division One schools uh, in my sophomore year. I was originally a hitter. I was getting recruited to Division One schools as a hitter, but it wasn't really in the range I wanted to. And so uh, I actually had Coach Cobb, our pitching coach, during that COVID summer was a uh, assistant coach on my travel ball team for Nakona Baseball. 
And uh, so he was around me all the time, and that's kind of like why I started taking pitching seriously because I wanted to get into that bigger range of schools, and my ceiling was much higher as a pitcher than it was as a hitter. So I kind of – I had options as a hitter my sophomore year, but uh, they weren't where I wanted them to be. So I decided to go full-blown on pitching and uh, ended up here, which was my goal from the start. So. Yeah, me and Chuck here actually have very similar stories. Uh, I was a position player. I was a shortstop, and I played for uh, Roughnecks, which is a trial program in uh, Central Centralish Mass, I think. Am I a better shortstop than you? Uh, no, you're definitely, absolutely not. Okay, I think I am, but continue. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, where was I? Where was I? I was talking about. Oh yeah, I was a uh, position player, and uh, I was getting recruited by uh, some Division One schools at at the probably I'd say the lower level of the Division One category. Um, me and Chuck actually went to a Futures game together, with a, which is like a PBR event. We both were position players there. Yeah, both as hitters. We were both there as hitters and uh, infielders only. But um, my recruiting process started pretty late in terms of pitching because I was getting recruited my whole sophomore and junior year as a shortstop. No offers, nothing serious amounted from it. A lot of phone calls and conversations, but no, nothing that I could like pull the trigger on. And then my summer, I left Roughnecks of junior year and I went to NEB. And I thought I was going there as a position player. I was going to throw an inning or two here and there. But my coach kind of just pushed me towards being a pitcher only that summer. So my junior summer... Yeah, I, I just went to uh, pitcher only, didn't play any infield in the summer, and I uh, threw pretty hard, not a ton of strikes. I I, th- I was talking very closely with, like, Dayton. That was pretty much it besides Northeastern. I actually was pretty positive I was going to go to Dayton, and then I was talking to Northeastern, and they asked me to, like, wait a little bit and let, let like, financial aid and stuff come back and see where all that stood, and they ended up offering me, and I went to visit the next day, and I just took it. I knew it was a spot just because of the high level. Pretty much the decision was the same thing as Chuck. Like, for my ceiling as a pitcher, it was much higher with, like, the level of baseball, and obviously with academics, Northeastern was kind of a no-brainer. Got it. Well, this is the last question I'll ask you guys together, and then the next couple questions I'll – I'll split you up. Um, I would. I just want to get your first thoughts of college baseball coming in in the fall, and I want to get what what you think the biggest adjustments were for you personally, and then just the biggest thing that you've learned watching and and being here so far. I would say the biggest difference is like level of seriousness and speed like coming out of high school like most people here were the best players at their high school or one of the best at their high school and coming here everything's kind of just like a pretty humbling like you get here and there's everybody you got dudes in front of you in every way like kids that are smarter than you kids that are stronger than you kids that are faster than you kids that are smarter with you in terms of baseball so the biggest adjustment for me was like just trying to learn from everybody that I talked to and everybody that I watched and just trying to like really absorb everything that I saw. Yeah. Yeah, coming in for me, um, I think the biggest adjustment was time. Uh, In high school, I never really had to like focus on managing my time. I just kind of like went with the flow of everything. And then I got in here and struggled early on to like prioritize schoolwork, prioritize recovery, because I never really knew how to focus on it. And uh, came in here, and then practices are four hours with lift three days a week. Um, it's a lot of physical workload that I probably wasn't totally prepared for, and a lot of time workload. And uh, another big thing was I had to 
change who I was as a player to be able to compete at this level. Um, in my division in high school, I could just throw fastballs because I threw hard enough and the competition wasn't great. And then you come in here and then my fastballs average at best. So I had to figure out other ways to get hitters out and compete. And so I think coming into college baseball, you just got to be ready to adapt and ready to find like how you can be unique and uh, set yourself away from other people. Okay. I like those. Yeah, I think. I got something else to add. Yeah, go like ahead. No, one other thing that I would add, a lo- like a little bit besides baseball, for like if any of like kids are listening who want to come play college baseball, um, it definitely was very like not discouraging, but it was very like hard to come in here at first and get going. But one aspect that's pretty positive about the college baseball atmosphere is like in high school you see your buddies in school here and there, like and you have a two-hour practice with them, and then you go home to your family. But like with here, you're with the guys like pretty much 24 7 and I've only been here for like six months and I've made some like crazy like strong bonds and like got really really close with the guys so one other thing that I would say that's a positive aspect of this is like you get so close with the guys yeah I think that's a really important thing especially for people who are looking where a place fits them I think sometimes at least I was when I was a freshman I was so focused on playing and and the baseball aspect but I didn't really think about the other aspects of college baseball which are the academics and the people you're going to be around the lifting and all that kind of stuff and to go off about what Chuck said about time management I remember specifically my freshman fall I was in the bullpen at SNHU and I looked at one of the fifth years and I was like dude does 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 this get any easier like I'm struggling like we literally have lift baseball I have homework like I I can't do like I literally thought I couldn't do this. I, I was thinking about like going home because it's just it's it hits you in the face for a little bit, but once you can calm yourself down and see that you you do have time, you just have to prioritize a little bit differently. Um, I was able to calm down and and uh, college baseball has treated me pretty pretty well since then. So um, yeah, this first first question I'll go to go to Chuck with this one's more about about lifting. So. Um, I know you always make fun of me because I'm doing quarter squats with with 315. I've gotten better. I've gotten deeper, uh, gotten deeper down with those squats. But um, what's your favorite exercise? And then also with lifting, have you seen an increase in performance and maybe like a reduction in injury since beginning lifting? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Favorite exercise, mostly just because you can stroke your ego with it, deadlift. Um, Although I think I've, I've moved away from it a lot. Because uh, I'm starting to get to the point where my absolute strength numbers aren't benefiting me as much. So I've uh, I've shifted a lot more towards lifting athletically, uh, like with the tendo units that we use at school, and then incorporating a lot more plyo work. So I've kind of moved away from just stroking my ego and trying to get my numbers up, and now I'm going to more like speed stuff and uh, focusing on being an athlete first. Yeah, I think that's important, especially um, even in my own experience. I always thought it was like lift as heavy as you can, which it is. You need to be strong to a certain uh, extent. I don't think the numbers that I'm putting up anymore are – if they go higher, great, but I don't think that the the key to my velocity or the next step that I need to take is with higher numbers. I believe just like you, it's being more athletic, moving with, with jumps and, and moving – weight fast like I think that that's 
something that's sometimes forgotten. Luckily it's not forgotten in Northeastern, but yep. um, that's great that you're learning that as a freshman. And Yeah, that was, that was a big unlock for me. You know, I came into the fall and uh, my velo was down. My athleticism was down. Um, I came in the fall lifting heavy again in the fall because I was just what was on our program and I didn't really know much better and all my athleticism numbers were down. So end of the fall, I really had to like take a look in the mirror, talking to coaches, talking to Jason, our strength coach. And uh, we focused on athleticism. Like that's what I needed to improve. So I had to adapt right there, took the winter break and focused on it. And uh, I definitely saw a big jump from it. Yeah. Um, this next one, next question is for Carson. And Chuck is going to hate me for not giving him this question because I know he loves this stuff too. But um, I just want to talk about nutrition with both of you guys. Um, I personally didn't get into nutrition and I'll quote unquote the, the primal shit or the carnivore diet or whatever you want to call it. I didn't get into that until my, no, not even my senior year, like my fifth year. So you guys are five years ahead of me, which is crazy, but I just want to know where you got into that, like where you, you first found that and then kind of how you eat and and then do you see or have you seen a difference in your performance because of the way you are fueling your body yeah so I'd say where I started getting into nutrition was probably or not probably definitely from my older brother who's uh who played D1 baseball at UMass Amherst he probably when I was around I think probably 15 or 16 he started getting into nutrition and uh where it started for me was uh it's called the vertical diet it's there's a uh uh, is he strongman or bodybuilder? Stan, yeah, Stan Efferding. He's uh, he was uh, he was uh, the um, he put together the vertical diet. I've talking to a lot of people, and it was just like a very efficient diet. Basically, it's to make your body efficient. It's like red meat, rice, chicken broth, stuff like that, carrots, a few like just really healthy stuff. And that's where I started getting kind of obsessed with it. And I uh, I definitely took it a little too far in the beginning when I was I was just overly obsessed with gaining weight. So I was eating 40, like 4,500 calories a day of just beef and rice and sourdough bread and stuff like that. All really good stuff for you, but definitely overeating to the point where I was weighing a lot. And I thought that that definitely boosted my performance. I was, my numbers in the gym were like exploding from because I was like 155 pounds and I bulked up to like over 205. Definitely some fat in there. Um, but my, my, my numbers exploded weight lot wise and my velo was up, but I also struggled with what Chuck was talking about was like being athletic. That's also part, probably part of the reason why I stopped playing position player because my coach saw me at 5'11", 205 and was like, there's no fucking way this kid can play shortstop anymore. So that's also why I became more of a pitcher. But like, yeah, I started getting obsessed with that stuff and more, more towards like the, uh, carnivore S diet now, which like fruit, honey rice red meat so all that stuff makes me feel a lot better it's probably it, it's also about figuring out what fits your body and what makes you feel good personally right i agree that i i really agree with that too and yeah chuck or carson can answer this but um when i started eating better again like reducing seed oils is like the big thing or um becoming less inflamed and and just trying to eat whole foods like i felt better and i i was able to recover better i was able to do everything in in my life i'm not even just talking about baseball i'm talking about outside of baseball like i just felt like a better person i felt um my mental health was better and and everything increased have you have you guys or chuck have you on the road 
or anytime you like go back to eating kind of more processed foods do you feel it can you feel a difference now because you're used to eating whole foods uh absolutely i feel a huge difference to be honest with you um traveling super tough because you know you never know what you're going to get the the meals that provided for us honestly don't really fit our diet very well and uh you really just got to make the most of the times where you can eat what you want to eat. Like you got to prioritize eating healthy when you can, because you never know what you're going to get on the road. So yeah. And one of the things I was going to ask both of you, um, and for the listeners, we have started this year at Northeastern. We'll go to a Walmart, like we'll get a bus to Walmart once we get to the hotel and we'll go around Walmart and, and shop. And I know people are thinking like, what the fuck can you get at Walmart? Like, um, that's not a health store but but can you guys talk about maybe what you get at walmart and yeah and what you got what you got for the week and and how you shopped at a walmart yeah i can start with that um like my my normal haul for walmart this is my second time going like you you see a lot of things in walmart like uh, i heard this one quote where it's like stay away from the um middle section of the store because it's all processed stay on the outside like the refrigerated sections the meat sections dairy so that's what i probably mostly try to do and uh like stuff i get right now which is like we we get good meat we get a good amount of meal money so i'm not worried about spending my own money on it we get enough so i get like fruit we get meat meat and jordy and chuck all got this uh pre-cooked fajita steak like steak fajitas which is pretty much the best red meat you can get that you can eat in a hotel you don't have to cook um like raw honey uh what other stuff do we get yeah i mean we could milk i I got eggs like i'm the crazy one who gets eggs i cook them in the microwave and that's maybe a little bit overboard um but yeah like you can you can find a way there's cabot cheese in walmart you can find a way rotisserie chickens um i mean obviously it's not going to be as perfect as if we went to uh whole foods or trader joe's or whatever and and bought red meat and cooked it but we we have to work with what we can so we get that steak fajita stuff and yeah it has some extra additives in it but um i I think i speak for the three of us when i say that we just look for stuff that has the less less amount of ingredients and the better and as carson said stay to the outside aisles but chuck you want to add a little bit yeah i was gonna say like we really just got to work with like a a good better best type of mindset like you know it's nothing's going to be optimal you got to be able to work with what you can and walmart obviously isn't like the first choice of where you would go but there's definitely good way better options than you know going to waffle house three day three times a day um so for me i just focus on getting fruit meat and then from there just like getting as clean of food as possible and then just optimizing what i can yeah and to add to that like carson was talking about the meal money um if you go to ihop like for instance we have ihop chick-fil-a hooters golden corral zaxby like every fast food place around here if you go and you eat there three days a week or three times a day maybe two times a day that bill is going to add up like it's not it's not inexpensive it's not cheap to to do takeout food but when you go to walmart I mean, today I spent like $60 and I probably got more than I needed and, and that's for the week. So, um, we're going to get more meal money throughout the week, but like, I'm not spending it all at Walmart and it's, it's pretty easy to eat healthy on a, on a budget. Like I, I honestly think I could, I would spend more money in takeout than just going to Walmart and eating healthy. I would, I would say one other thing to add is like, 
a lot of people fall into the trap of like thinking certain things are gross. Like I, I was getting chirped all the time for the bag steak and how it smelled and stuff. And like it sounds a little bit corny, but like you're if you want to compete at like such a high level and you're doing like crazy amounts of physical activity when you're actually playing in the game and when you want if you want to be like the best you you work out as hard as you can you have to also fuel yourself like I think that's one of the biggest things that happens with athletes when they're getting a little bit fatigued or injured in like the hot sun playing three like a game nine in a game every day um is they don't understand like the fuel aspect of like getting the right amount of like micronutrients macronutrients like hitting your calorie goals it's a lot easier to hit your calorie goals when you go to a place like Walmart or whatever and get steak, fruit, honey, whatever else you need than going to like Jordy said like a IHOP and getting like pancakes or something like that. Yeah, I also just want to add on like traveling especially, we're dealing with some very suboptimal conditions. Like you never know when our flight last week got delayed what like 12 hours. We were in the airport from 9am and then we got to Tampa at 5am the next day. So you're you're never dealing with perfect conditions. You're never dealing with perfect sleep. So, and that, like the nutrition aspect, is something that I think a lot of guys overlook, and that's somewhere where you can make up some of that ground that you might miss with like the, the added stress of traveling and the lack of sleep you might be getting. Yeah. So that actually ties into the next kind of segment of of today's episode, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about recovery and and how important that is because obviously um, all college athletes are giving it they have to give everything they can they have to compete at a high level and that's going to put stress on their bodies and the ones that are going to separate themselves from the other guys are going to be the ones who are able to do it on a daily basis and in order to do that on a daily basis you have to be able to balance and have that stress be combated with a time of de-stress so what do you guys do for recovery and 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 how how do you like feel the next couple of days? Like if you're able to recover the right way, can you feel it rather than the wrong way? I'd say most definitely. Uh, in terms of on the road, the best things that I do, like we just talked about, is just sleep and eat right. Like if you're eating like shit, like having like little bites and cold, se- like I mean, and sugary cereal and getting six hours of sleep or five hours of sleep a night, there's no stimming or cupping or soft tissue that's going to make you feel good or make you recover better. Like you got to hit your staples, you got to hydrate, get your electrolytes in get your good food sources in and try to get as much sleep as possible. Like Chuck said, obviously sometimes it's suboptimal, but in terms of recovery, I think I just try to control like what I can control. Yeah, I think I agree with Carson. I think the basics are what's going to move the needle the most. Like no soft tissue is going to save you from a two hour night's sleep and a a shitty diet. So you really just got to focus on the big aspects and then everything else on top of that is just that it's just like an, a little extra it's not gonna it's not gonna save you by any means you really got to focus on the nutrition and you got a big thing for me is managing like the outside stresses like you know i i don't hang out a lot when i'm on the road because i try to like be doing as little as possible whenever i can just to focus on recovery i think just laying down getting off your feet and chilling out for a while is a, a big help for me um, and you know, I really make it a focus to not be out hanging out with my boys till midnight on the road when I have to get up at 8am for breakfast the next day. And I might sleep seven hours instead of going to bed at 10 where I can get a nine hour sleep and then get a quality breakfast and be ready for the next day. Yeah. And like 
that's a sacrifice like that's something that you have to be willing to do and for those that have been following following northeastern season um you see that the decisions that chuck has has been making have been paying off on the field um i just also now want to talk a little bit about like mental training and that was something that i again didn't get into until my senior year of of college and i know you guys are both ahead of me with that so i just want to know if if you think mental training has helped you and then what are some things that you do to mental train like um do you have techniques that you use now or um before you get on the mound or, or anything like that yeah, uh, my mental training is definitely a work in, prog- in work in progress, as is everybody's. Um, uh, the mental training has definitely been something rather new to me. I've always considered myself, like, quote-unquote, mentally tough, but the, I've never really done anything about it, like try, trying to work on it until probably maybe about a year or so uh, earlier from now. I think one of the big things I can that you can do is, like, uh, take in people who have experienced so much and, like, read what they have to say, like, the David Goggins books. I know a lot of people like those, but uh, if you really like dive into those and read and maybe like take a few notes here and there, I think you can learn a lot from his mindset or like people's mindsets like that and try to like just take a little bit of that and use a little bit of that every day. In terms of like everyday stuff, mental toughness wise, I think that every day you can find something like hard to do. Like over winter break, one of the things I did, it was miserable. And people thought, like my family thought I was crazy for it. But every day in winter break, like when I would get up, first thing I would do in the morning is I would get up and just go right in the cold tub, like 30 seconds out of bed. And it was like a tough thing to do, like waking up and hearing your alarm, like shit, I got to go in the fucking 32 degree ice tub right now. It was like brutal. And I... I would, I'm not going to lie, I would sit there sometimes outside the tub for, like, 15 minutes, like, I don't want to go in this. But, like, if you do something like that, like that or even little things, it can help and go a long way. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle at this. For me, uh, a lot of the mental training is just, like, being in love with the sport and being so it's not even, like, a challenge when you have to do something hard. Like, for me, like, a bunch of my friends from home give me shit for it, but... I'll go for just walks by myself all the time and just, like, let my mind run free thinking about baseball. And I'll literally go for, like, a 30-minute walk and just, like, imagine myself, like, where I want to be in the sport. And I'll literally just visualize myself, like, pitching here, pitching in high school, and then, like, where I want to be in the future. And I'll literally just get jacked up thinking about different games, different situations. And then then I get on the mound, and I've been there before, as corny as it sounds, but... I think that really helps me, just visualizing it. Yeah, I think to to people who don't know the power of visualiza- visualization, that sounds corny. Um, to somebody like me who's really into visualization, that just sounds pretty pretty normal and makes 100% um, sense. Like when when you're out there walking, I, I do my visualizations after like yoga or after um, meditating, but walking is like a great way to find stillness and if you can visualize while you walk that's great too but you're really just like manifesting energy and putting it into the world and then it's going to find its way back to you especially like you said your mind doesn't know the difference between um you visualizing it and you actually doing it so once you get on that mound your body has already your mind already thinks that your body has done it so it just does what it does again um so that's really cool that you you've done that too and something that i've started to do lately is like i'm a big fan of country music and that kind of the reason why i'm a big fan of country music and the reason why i've started to like it more and more as i got to college is i'm away from 
um, Vermont more. Yeah. Like back home, I live on a farm. Uh, for those who don't know, but when I listen to country music, like that, kind of takes me back to where where I'm from and my family and and everything that like I love. So I'll listen to country music on on the way to the game and like visualize me playing outside on the farm as a kid and playing catch with my grandfather and stuff like that so that's something that i've added to my visualization is like adding music that kind of gets me even more locked in but yeah you got some yeah i was just gonna add like when i'm on those walks it, it sounds really dumb but i'll legit just go through my phone playing like different walk-up songs and i'll yeah. literally imagine myself walking out to the mountain to that song and all sorts of different scenarios and i think it just like it really helps you like visualize it it gets you a little bit jacked up and uh makes me feel good honestly one question I'd have for both of you is one of the, that's one of the I'd probably say it's the main focus for me in terms of mental development right now is like you put so much time and as a pitcher you don't get that much time on the field but you put so much time in the weight room like visualizing doing trying to do everything the right way like practicing playing catch every day like how do you guys go about staying calm under the pressure of like being so like in the moment because like that's what you've trained hours and hours every single day for and you get that one moment of maybe seven or eight minutes on the mound like how do you zone yourself in and not get too caught up in the pressure uh well for me like honestly i just feel like my my brain and body just like take over it's like a thoughtless it's a thoughtless thing for me i don't really feel like i have to jack myself up to get on the mound when i get my when i hear my name called from the bullpen i feel like i'm just ready to go and from there my my brain's done it before in the visualization it's done it in the game i've been there before and it it just it just i mean kind of comes naturally not naturally but you know i'm just used to it and i just let my brain take over and i have to remind myself just have some fun and be you you don't need to change anything like you've done it before yeah i i that's a good question and i think in in my mindset and the way i go about um, handling, I'll put like quote unquote pressure because, uh, this is something that I actually talked about like this summer. One of the reporters was like, how are you handling this pressure of being in the Cape? And I was like, dude, like I'm five ten right-handed pitcher from Woodstock, Vermont. Like I'm not supposed to be, there's no pressure. Like I, if anyone had asked if I would be a, a college baseball player when I was in high school or when I was growing up, everyone, like, I don't think anybody would say yes. Like yeah. from, from where I came from and, um, just, just who I am and how I am. I, I don't, I mean, I think my family would say that I had a drive and could become a, a college baseball player, but if you would ask anybody else, they probably would have said no. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, for me, the, I mean, I, I definitely felt pressure and I still do feel pressure. I'm not going to say that I don't because that would be a lie and I'd be lying to you if I said I don't feel pressure. Uh, but I kind of try to frame the pressure differently. So instead of saying like, oh, this is like, this is terrible. What if I fail? What if I fail? Like I, I, lately I've been able to, to reframe it and understand, have a different perspective and understand that like I get a chance to do this. Not many people are coming in in the eighth or the ninth. Not many people are ever going to be able to do this, especially where I'm from. And I remind myself just just where where I came from and and how far I've come. And and something that I do before I pitch is I'll like I'll do my routine. I'll write my grandfather's initials in the ground uh, on the mound, and then I will um, visualize. I like, close my eyes, step off the mound, and visualize 
me playing catch on the farm and that it, it allows me to go back to the spot where there was no pressure. That's where I was able to um, just play baseball and that's where everything started for me. And then I'll take a look around the park and, and realize that I'm not in Vermont anymore. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that I feel like I've earned that spot. So I, I don't feel as much pressure as I used to because I put in all the work and I prepared to be able to be in that spot. So that spot is a place where I get to enjoy that moment, whether I'm feeling crazy anxious or not. Like I get to enjoy that and I get to feel those feelings because I've worked for it. So that's kind of how I reframe and, and go about my business, um, in, in tight situations and, and try to try to pretend that there's no scoreboard. If it's a one run game, that's great. I'm just going to pitch how I pitch and, and hope, uh, or not hope, but know that everything I've done is, is for that moment and I'm going to take over and do me. Yeah. You kind of hit on what I was going to say right there. It's like you live for that moment. It's not really like a, Oh shit. Like I, I have to pitch right now. It's like, I want to pitch. This is what I do it for. Like, this is what you live for. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we're kind of done with all those questions. Now we'll just touch on a few things and I'm, I'm curious how you guys have balanced academics and athletics, especially on the road. Uh, I mean, I was an underclassman and had a lot of work, but when we were at D3, we didn't have these traveling uh, on a plane every weekend and gone for four days. We would just leave for an hour and come back. So how do you guys deal with academics and, and baseball and that balance? Uh, to be completely honest, I don't – I with all, like, freshman year and a lot of intro classes, like, definitely not super in-depth with my major yet. Uh, having got, like, absurd amounts of work that's, like, so hard to deal with, like, like – uh, one of the pitchers on our team, Griff Young, just had like a four-hour exam like the other day. Like I'm definitely not anywhere close to that right now. But in terms of the work I do have, like like a medium workload, I'd say the biggest thing that's helped me is just like in the beginning of the week, like last week before we went to go play the Red Sox, like I was in SAS for a few hours and just banged out like everything I had for the week and just tried to get it all done. So that way when we're on the road or if like like shit hits the fan and we don't get in until 5 a.m., like I'm not tweaking at the airport about getting Wi-Fi and getting my thing submitted. Like I already submitted it three days ago when I was sitting in my room doing nothing. So just trying to use the free time I have before we travel to just get everything banged out. Yeah, kind of same deal for me. I just really try to like get ahead of it and, uh, you know, I honestly, like, I, I hate doing work when I'm trying to mentally prepare for a game. Like, it's it's the worst thing for me. So I really just got to, like, try to set aside a time, like, two days ahead of the game, at least for me, try to get everything done. And uh, if not, you got to work with what you have. Like, you can't not do it. Um, a lot of guys just avoid it, and then they end up running into shit later. Like, some guys struggle with it a lot. Um, some guys are definitely more baseball-focused than other guys. But uh, if you are one of those guys that really cares about baseball, you got to make a priority when you have time and when you're like willing to focus on it, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll move. I, that was all the questions I had. Well, there's uh, one more, I guess. Um, story time for you, Young Bucks, I guess. But um, when I when I com- came into college, I had never really faced adversity. Like I was I was Vermont Gatorade Player of the, Player of the Year, I had literally never been hit. Like if I if I had a game where I let up like three hits, like that was a bad game for me. Like I I just threw fastballs down the middle in Vermont. And uh, freshman year I like failed a shit ton. I was I uh, I had a good fall, but then I started hitting a wall where guys were hitting me, and I had I had no idea how to handle failure. And um, it just led me in a downward spiral. Like 
pitched six innings my freshman year was just not me and it took me a long time to get back to to where I was but I just want to ask you guys like how you how you overcome failure and uh this you know this this one's for Carson then I'll ask Chuck another one but how do you how do you overcome failure and and how do you reframe it uh yeah so for me um I've definitely dealt with a good amount of failure the past year or so being a pretty new pitcher I uh, went to the Futures League, not a ton of innings under my belt with high school and stuff, was still playing position player in high school, and the Futures was obviously a way different level of hitters than I ever faced. I had, I didn't have a great accuracy, not, not no plus off speed, just a decently hard fastball, and I, I, got, I got hit around, I walked a lot, I, I figured out that free bases are killers, I, I, I let up a lot of runs over the summer in Futures League, had some, had some decent up and downs overall, but um... I uh, I ended up doing having some pretty high numbers in the ERA category. Um, so dealing with that was definitely something that I had to work around coming to the fall. I talked to a lot of kids on my team, and they were just like going to the fall and just have like a full reset. Like nobody gives a fuck what your summer stats are. Nobody gives a fuck how you did in the summer. Like just go into the fall and just try to compete and try to be different than you were in the summer. So I did that. Had a pretty decent fall. Came through the winter, have had some up and downs in the winter, and then as the spring started, like haven't had a ton of a ton of uh, innings or anything like that. No, no opportunities yet. But I'd say the biggest thing for me at this point in my career is like I'm young. I just want to like cap, like just wait, be patient, capitalize on the opportunities I do I do get when they do come. And for me, that's just like kind of how I'm facing the adversity right now. Awesome, I love that. And also, just a quick shout out, um, Matt Downing just walked into the room. Uh, He's our he was our Sunday pitcher. Downing, do you want to say hey? Just talking to the microphone. What's going on, everyone? There he How is. we all doing? There you go. Um, all right, we'll finish up here. For for you guys, I mean these these aren't part of the rapid fire questions, and I'll get to the rapid fire questions. But this is just to kind of get to know you guys, because even though I feel like I know you guys well i still don't know what your favorite fast food is and what your favorite ice cream is so can you please tell uh, me and the listeners those answers chipotle and vanilla ice cream for me vanilla (laughs) crazy dog uh for me yeah definitely chipotle and then favorite ice cream was there's this uh there's this farm down the road that makes some really good coffee brownie ice cream from okay. where I live. Okay. All right. Now we are going to get to the rapid fire questions. Um, so you guys can just switch back and forth. Um, but favorite book? Uh, favorite book probably. I, I really do like Relentless right now. That's the book I'm reading right now, and I'm not fully done with it, but I really like it. Uh, I'm not a huge book guy, to be honest with you. That's fair. Uh, if that's the answer, that's the answer. Yeah. I'm more of a like a a podcast video kind of guy favorite podcast then i guess or uh, i like the huberman lab all right yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one um all right favorite memory from baseball and then you can add an outside baseball one if you want or not whatever uh favorite memory from baseball for me would be uh i'd probably say the the last week the week i had in florida for like spring training senior year of high school with just like all my best friends from high school Played really good baseball. It was just it was just really fun, competitive baseball. Uh, for me, it was winning the uh, my senior year this past June. Me and my friends, who I've been playing baseball with since I was ten years old, won our Division Two state championship. So that was that was really special for us. 
That's sick. I uh, never won a never won a high school or legion championship. Always lost in the finals or semifinals. Um, all right. Yep. Poor me. Have you ever been in flow state, and can you describe it? Both of you. Carson handing the mic off. He's uh, stumped. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I get into it a lot. I feel like it's just every time I touch that mound, like I've been mentally preparing for it for days, every single time. Like I'm always always ready to go and uh a lot of the t i mean sometimes it doesn't happen sometimes you have to compete you have to battle it with yourself but it's definitely gotten out there and you just get to the point where your body just takes over there's no thought it's just pure adrenaline pure just your your instincts kick in and pure flow like it's literally pure, pure flow yeah, there's, yeah that's, that's literally there's like, no great way to describe it yeah honestly. that's why they call it the, it's just yeah carson for me it's like something that like obviously you can't for slow state so sometimes like throughout this winter i've had times where i'm like oh i gotta get in the flow and it doesn't work that way like you can't do that but i've definitely had some times in the fall and a few outings in the winter where i was like really just flowing and it was just fun like just like uh, one moment i can remember was like the i forget what the winter what live it was but it was a live ab session and i ended up going last and uh like all the boys were just fired up like just freaking out and uh it, that was one of the moments oh where yeah I was just, like it was just a really yeah fun, i think really i think i remember fun. that one. Yeah. yeah just like yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, that it was, was we really. We were bouncing sick. adversity. Doyle got smacked in the face with a baseball, and then I walked to Rota, and uh, Lane was up, and Clav loaded the bases, bottom of the ninth. Like one of those wiffle ball scenarios where you're just like, all right, like that's where the pressure is. And it, it was fun. Obviously, it wasn't a real game or anything, but that's where I felt some flow there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Carson kind of answered this earlier, um, but what is something uncomfortable that you want to start doing in order to grow? And if you want to use the same example you did earlier, you can use that. Or if you want to use a new one, you can do that too. Uh, yeah. So for me, I think it's just adhering to like a, a daily schedule. I haven't been great about it recently, and it's been hard recently. But I think that's that's the whole point. It, it's got to be hard. It's a lot easier when I'm at home and I have all the resources. I have all the free time. I can get up, get sunlight, get my water, get my salt in the morning, eat my perfect meals. But I really want to start doing that at school where it's not super convenient it's it's actually hard it takes effort for me to get out of bed right away not stare at my phone get outside and then dominate the day yeah kind of similar to chuck one of the things that i started over the winter not haven't been great about recently but i i like to uh it sounds a little uh, corny, but I like to be, like, a no-snooze guy. Like, if if I snooze, I feel like I'm already, like, kind of losing a little bit when the day – like, when your alarm goes off, it's – one of the hardest things to do is just, like, oh, get right out of your, like, fucking warm sheets. But um, I think if you don't snooze, you get up right after your day. I think, like Chuck said, it's part of the routine. Like, if you – say you're going to get up at 8 and you snooze till 8.15, you're already behind the clock. You already lost a little bit. Yeah, I mean, both of those things are kind of just winning the mornings, like getting up and getting sunlight, and I – both of these guys like I struggle with the same things and um it's really cool that their awareness of how to be successful and their awareness of consistency and discipline is is like far beyond their years I mean I'm I'm a six year in college and I'm starting to learn these things and these guys are five years younger six years younger than me so that, that's awesome um most valued non-material possession so like this computer is a possession or a material possession so what is something that you can't like touch like it could be a relationship um a character trait that you have something something along those lines that you're uh that, for that me i'd say my family friends and teammates because they're i wouldn't be where i am without my support system and that's something that i was fortunate enough to kind of be given 
I didn't have to work for a sporting family. I didn't. I wasn't entitled to perfect teammates, great friends, but I've been fortunate enough to get them, and they've helped me out a lot. Yeah, for me, it's definitely going to be my parents. Like, I, 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 there's no like and ifs or buts about it. I was blessed with like really, really great supportive parents. Like, no, no family's perfect by any means, but I was blessed with very supportive parents who I have a good mix of my mom, who's like a loving person, and then my dad, who loves me, but he also is a, he pushes the shit out of me. So it's a, it's a great mix, and I, I think it's like 100% the reason why I am where I am today. Awesome. Uh, something you often forget you're grateful for. Uh, I'm gonna go with the same answer there. My parents. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair. That's what a lot of a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, you know they they work their ass off for me, and I feel like I kind of take it for granted. Like I'm not entitled to that. So many people don't have supportive parents that were, you know, paying for them to go to travel ball tournaments. I never had to worry about where my next meal was or like if I needed money for food. Like they always had it for me. I never had to worry about it, and uh, could definitely take it for granted sometimes. But yeah, I'm gonna go a different route. I definitely. In the earlier times of my life, probably about let me like two years ago, I had time. I had a problem struggling with like being appreciative for my parents, but I'm very aware of that now, and I try to be as thankful for them as possible. I think the thing that I'm trying to like not struggle with, the thing I'm trying to be better at, is being grateful for like opportunities. For me, I'm I kind of a perfectionist when it comes to like things I do, like whether it's like not getting like if I don't get any like maybe we'll do this weekend for example, like I didn't get to pitch at all this weekend no opportunities in this weekend and like part of my brain's like fuck like I didn't get any opportunities like nothing I didn't be able to do anything to prove myself but then like also like part of me was thinking about it during the uh, national anthem on Sunday I was like looking around like full sun on a beautiful baseball field palm trees everywhere free trip to Florida like with all my best friends and I was like what do I have to complain about you know what I mean yeah no I I actually think that's I do that similar thing like I've I've learned to kind of as the national anthem's going, I try to like just just be thankful for everything. And if if the day before didn't go as as I planned, then you know today is another opportunity to go go forward and and make it different than yesterday. Exactly. Last last question that I wrote up for the for the rapid fire questions, but what are what is some advice to your five year old self? And it can be baseball, and it could be life, whatever you want. My advice to my five year old self would be like have more fun throughout high school like I th- I I realized when I got to college that like I was so wrapped up in like getting calls from colleges and getting like that that new PR so I could try to post it on Twitter and get to where I wanted to be like I was so wrapped up in getting to where I wanted to be that there was times where I didn't enjoy like the ride I didn't enjoy going to Lake Point twice a year during the summer and just balling like with my guys I was too worried about college coaches like texting me or whatever so I think that would be my advice to my younger self uh my advice to my younger self would be that you can't just give effort to what you want to give effort to you know as a kid and early on through high school to be honest with you I really only cared about sports and I let a lot of other stuff in my life go to shit and uh I struggled with that for a long time and I think looking back on it I definitely did a poor job and could have done a lot better all right. Well, that's the last questions that I usually do in the rapid fire questions. But due to other circumstances, I have found one more. Um, so, for those in the know, Morgan Wallen dropped his uh, album on Monday, and Chuck and I and Brinker, who's been on the show, and Carson and James Maurice, who 
hopefully none of you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have uh, <laughs> we've been sending each other just the the Morgan Wallen song. So I just, I mean, it's this is probably the hardest question of the day, but I just need you to pick your favorite song from the new album, please. Chuck will go first. It is uh, a hard decision. Kind of a slept on pick right here. Single than she was. All right. That is crazy. I didn't one. think that that would even come up, but okay. Uh, um, I think my favorite right now is uh, the wine to water one. Or water, is water to wine. Uh, All right. I, I do like that. Yeah, song. those are both like, I feel like those are both uh, non-popular song, like uh, as far as right now goes. Um, is there anything before we end? Is there anything that you guys have questions on or or want to talk about in in this conversation? Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna ask you, Jordy, about your career, your path here. You've obviously had like a a longer path than most people. Yep. You're what, six year. Yep, six year. Uh, I actually don't know your story. I just figured out that you went to SNU as a freshman. Can okay. you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, actually, this for you. You can you can start to listen to my podcast because I have uh, two long episodes about my whole journey. So I think that would be a good uh, episode for you to start listening to. But I will go through very quickly because the the episodes that I created are like thirty minutes each, maybe. So I I don't think we can go another hour in this. But so Hartford High School Gatorade Player of the Year toured a Northeastern. Went to Glav's office. He asked me what my GPA was. Contrary to what you guys probably think, I w- was not very mature, not the smartest kid, and I didn't know my own GPA, so that didn't go very well. Um, did not get recruited after that to Northeastern. Went to SNU. Um, hated it. Didn't hate it. Lo- loved the baseball side of it. Hated the academic side. Started to look into transferring after halfway through my freshman year. Wanted to go to Fairfield because I wanted to be a D1 baseball player. Was literally crying in my car on the way to Babson because like, I thought I, w- I gave up my D1 baseball opportunity. Um, so I decided to go to Babson like August 23rd. Had to be there August 24th. Packed up my car, drove to Babson. Um, the rest is history there. Uh, had an okay sophomore year. Had a decent junior year, but we only played five games to COVID. Um, got recruited to Richmond. They were the only school... I showed any interest D1, so I felt like if I didn't commit to them early, I wouldn't, or in December, I wouldn't have any D1 um, offers and wouldn't be able to continue to play baseball. So committed to Richmond, never really wanted to go there, but it was the only school that offered. So July or June, I decommitted and reached out to Northeastern, and they had a roster spot, but Glav said there was no guarantee I'd pitch. He just said you could come and be on the team. So I took that roster spot. Um, and then the rest is history. Got here in the fall. Um, had had a good senior year at Babson, but um, pitched two innings in the fall, and then they shut me down because I had thrown a lot. And then had a had a decent spring, and uh, got a Cape opportunity. Um, I went home for a month because they didn't have space for me, and then I got a chance in Hyannis and was there for the summer and. Now I'm here just rehabbing a little bit of forearm tightness, and uh, we'll be back out there in the pen chilling with Chuck and Carson pretty soon, hopefully. So, yeah. I got, I got one question for you. It's a specific question. Anybody who knows Jordy knows him as uh, the splitter guy. 
I want to know. I want to hear just a little bit about like how you came and developed like that pitch and how you ended up. Maybe I don't know about if it's confidence yeah. or just that being your thing. Yeah. Um, so my philosophy with pitching is I like to throw all my pitches like fastballs. I feel like that's the simplest way to do it, and I feel like that 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 mentality is is the way to get the most um, just repeat repeatable um, shape and repeatable mechanics because because i just when i throw a fastball i just throw it as hard as i can at the middle of the zone well i go side to side with the fastball but with the off speed i just throw it right down the middle like a splitter i throw right down the middle so it actually started like my sophomore year of high school i my coach showed me the splitter grip and it's a little different than what i throw now but i he was like oh throw this like we were just screwing around and i was literally on a plastic mound on a tennis court in vermont like we didn't have shit but i threw it and he's like oh my god like that's nasty and i I was like yeah dude like whatever like okay like i'm a shortstop this doesn't even matter um and then i struggled struggled uh in college because i only had i mean when i got to college i didn't even have a curveball the catcher put down two and i was like dude what what the fuck is that <laughs> like i literally was on the mound and I, and I literally just grabbed it randomly and like twisted it and like threw it in the dirt and i was like oh that's probably fine let's go back to the fastball um and so i i was fastball curveball and then my junior like going into my junior year i was like all right like I don't have a changeup and I always struggle with the changeup. I, I just struggled with it. I, I, it was bad. And I was like, all right, let's try this. So I threw it like in a bullpen and they were, the catcher was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Like you should throw that. And I changed the grip a little bit and screwed around with it and played with it and like struck out everybody. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, why is this? I, I didn't even think it was that good. I was like, I guess we'll stick with it. Um, but they didn't like me throwing it at Babson. So I went away from it again and then at Northeastern, I showed it to Cobb, and he he liked it, and he was like, "Yeah, let's throw that." And we changed my curveball to a slider, which was more comfortable for me. And um, yeah, my go-to pitch is definitely that splitter, um, and I just throw it as hard as I can, like a fastball, and that's kind of how it came about. I think that's awesome. Coming back to you saying you throw everything with a fastball, I think that's a that was a big adjustment for me. I used to be like a big like four seam and like I was a four seam 12-6 curveball. My curveball is like 68 miles an hour. It looks pretty, but it's it's not effective. So I think it's awesome that you were able to get back to like that that four seam like everything looks like a fastball and then changes from there. I think that's like that's a big uh adjustment and really increases your effectiveness as a pitcher. Yeah. Well, that's that's all we got for today, guys, unless Downing, you got anything for us? I'm all good. Maybe another episode. Hope maybe Downing will be on the podcast uh, on another episode. But if you're still listening, this is the longest podcast we've had. And I think the sharing the microphones works. So hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you next episode.